We're here with another episode of Hear the Spear, presented by Noel Game Day. I'm your host, Ryan Stalder, accompanied by my co-host, Ethan Vaughn. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the early signing day, uh, just recap that, um, and just kind of the state of the program right now with Coach Taggart and his recruiting, and then uh, maybe talk about some some of the coaching staff that he'll be putting together. But uh, how's it going, Ethan? What is... Uh, this holiday season been like for you so far pretty low-key trying to decompress after after finishing up the semester so just been hanging out what about yourself uh yeah just hanging out by holiday i meant recruiting holiday which is national early signing day yeah it's like christmas morning huh it's so fun always a fun time okay so let's recap the signing day as it went for florida state before i we we throw names out there ethan what would you what would you say, I guess, uh, you can give it like a letter grade on how you think it went. Uh, all, all, um, all, all situations and scenarios considered. I mean, I, I think um, like a B plus, a, no, 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 I'm a, a minus. Um, I really don't think there was a whole lot that could have went different. So what, what, what are some of the things that you kind of fault – Taggart for or the coaching staff for or whoever you want to fault and then what are some things that you give them credit for well there's not really a whole lot I fault them for I think maybe holding on to a guy like Rosendo Lewis is something that you might have been able to do um it's just a tough situation I'll ask you this question do you think that there's any chance that they kind of didn't want Lewis I don't think so. Uh, no, I, they went down there and visited him. I, I don't think that that was. I think that they wanted him. I think that that it wasn't. It wasn't like a parting of ways type thing. Okay. Um, yeah, not even parting of ways, but just like they weren't that concerned. I don't know. It's, I mean, they went down there and visited him. I don't know what other uh, what other indicators you're looking at beyond that. I, I think he's someone that. Um, Based on the fact that they visited him, and the fact that you know most everybody you talk to um, thinks that he's a he's a very good player, um, someone who can kind of set the set the tone from the linebacker position. I think he's someone they wanted, and uh, I, I ultimately don't think that there's a whole lot that Florida State could have done differently in his recruitment. He genuinely seemed um, kind of eked by the fact that Florida State didn't have their defensive coaching staff in place, and um, I think about the only thing that you could have done is is you know, maybe just kind of explain to him things are working out. We're trying to fill stat or slots as they come open. Um, just have some patience with us and, and look, just tell him, you know, just sign in the later period if you're not sure. Um, you can make that decision as, as you see our staff fill out. Um, but, you know, ultimately he wanted to pull the trigger and end it and, and he did to South Carolina. And then, and, and so, like, you know, that happens. Um, on the on the same note, Ethan, what do you think about the commitment of or signing? I guess now of three star quarterback Mike Penix. I, that was one of the ones that um, I don't know. It was kind of interesting to me. You know, Florida State and Willie Taggart threw out that offer um, about probably less than a week ago, and um, it seemed like he was going to be a shoe into the class. And then you know, coming into the the little last couple of days before signing day, it appeared as if um, Taggart and, and company kind of didn't really push too hard, um, and and ultimately let him go to to Indiana. You know, this is not me trying to cover up or saying I, I legitimately think from all signs and and from being around. I'm from the Tampa area and hearing hearing things from people around here. It seems like 
you know, if he truly felt that that Florida State was all in on him, um, then he would have went to Florida State. Do you think? But, okay, Ethan, let me ask you this: Do you think yesterday, if he wanted to, he could have signed a letter of intent to Florida State? No, I don't. I question that. I, I don't think he could have. No. Okay, so I think he had an offer. But I think it wasn't a signable offer as of the early signing period. I think it was kind of FSU keeping tabs on him and saying, like, listen, if you want to wait, there's a good chance we'll have a spot for you at the end. But we're just not ready to sign you right now just because we don't even have a staff in place. We're looking at like still looking at the logistics and the numbers. Um, But he could have always signed with India. It's not like Indiana is going to pull an offer on a quarterback, you know, so um, interesting to me. I definitely don't think he could have signed with FSU yesterday. I think eventually he probably would have been a take because I'm not sure where they're going to go at quarterback now with um, Emory Jones signed, Justin Fields signed, Trevor Lawrence signed, and uh, basically the only remaining target that FSU has been even remotely involved with is, as you just alluded to right before we got on, um, James Foster, uh, who's a lifelong Alabama fan and who Alabama now wants, so I'm not sure how successful. They might have to go to the JUCO route if they want a guy this cycle. Yeah, definitely. So, I don't know. We'll see an interesting couple interesting names out there in the JUCO cycle. Um, actually, I think the top one remaining would be Kyle Loxley, who I know, many remember yep. um, was, was committed, to, committed to Florida State um, uh, in the same class when Florida State had DeAndre Johnson, DeAndre Francois, and Kyle Loxley all committed to them at the same time. And uh, DeAndre Johnson and DeAndre Francois ended up signing with Florida State, and Kai Loxley flipped to Texas. Um, By the way, what could have been if Loxley stuck and Malik Henry didn't get booted? Oh, I know. That's the funny thing is they're two of the top quarterbacks um, in the in this JUCO class. Uh, actually, Malik Henry has, has had a pretty rough year in JUCO, but Kai Loxley um, was quite a bit better. I would see, be a fan of Kyle Oxley, especially in Taggart's offense. Not, I agree. Um, not that see, Taggart I, necessarily runs the quarterback as much as people like to think. I really don't think he's going to run the quarterback a lot at Florida State, depending on his personnel, obviously. But I think he would prefer to have the, the running backs handle the, the bulk of the carries. I think the misconception there comes from the fact that he was a good runner as a player and that at USF he kind of didn't have or wasn't able to, to ascertain a quarterback who could throw uh, – I mean, well enough to run the type of offense he wants, but every other year at every other program, he's thrown the ball a ton. No, he hasn't thrown the ball a ton. Well, no, no, no. Th- uh, he hasn't ran the court. He's only yeah. used the quarterback to throw. No, he d- he's definitely a run first guy. But yeah, I think he wants to run, run first. off that, that uh, Harbaugh tree. I think he wants to run with the running backs. And see, here's my thing is, is we can get into this later, but I think he needs to temper the fact that he ran the ball, albeit he did have a starting quarterback hurt. He ran the ball 67% of the time this year at Oregon, which was like top 10 in the country. Um, yeah. I, I just don't see that, that level of, um, you know, that balance really succeeding against the elite defensive lines. Well, that, no, I don't think, and I don't think that's his ideal situation. I think that was what he was forced into by the situation. Yeah, no, for sure. That's just something that, that, you know, keep an eye on and see what his, his strategy is at, um, at Florida state. Yeah. Okay. So let's run through these, the list of, uh, signees, I guess now, because there's only one of them who hasn't signed who I'll get to, but okay. So let's, this, this is a fun one. Um, Definitely took a, took a while. Um, I think his recruitment ceremony was longer than his recruitment to Florida State, but uh, or his commitment ceremony. But 
five-star safety out of California, Jaden Woodby. Uh, this was just a like a, it was a pretty funny story. It all started with with some random Florida State fan um, on Twitter, kind of tweeting at him. And I, I the funny thing Wait, is, give I the act- guy a shout out. What's his name? It's, it's, it's Seminole- at, at Seminole Lifer. I want to say at Seminole Lifer. Okay, tell tell everybody what he did. So he tweeted. I forgot exactly what would be tweeted, but it was something so, like I want to be great or something like that. Yeah, and like this t- guy- something about I want to be the greatest DB or something. And this guy tweeted at him like in garnet and gold, and would be quote tweets it and says, um, you know, at FSU football and said, you know, something like they were too dumb to offer me or whatever. And later that day, um, or was it the next day? It was, no, it was that day. It was that day. That day, he, or Coach Taggart apparently followed him on Twitter, um, which he had recruited him some at Oregon. Followed him on Twitter, um, and, and um, called him and gave him an offer from Florida State. And that was like eight days before yesterday when he signed and committed to Florida State. Um, after being committed to Ohio State for for a while and and, and over hometown USC. So I, I think it's something that, you know, Willie Taggart obviously did an awesome job recruiting this kid. Like, you know, it's one of the greatest pulls that I've seen ever in recruiting. But I also think that that a part of it is, is, is when he said throughout the process that Florida State was his dream school, Florida State was his dream school. Um, no matter who the coach is, how good of a recruiter the coach is, you don't get that kind of result um, in such a short amount of time if the kid isn't, isn't really – you know, wanting to be at that school. So what does this say about Jimbo Fisher, Ethan? I, it's a bad look for Jimbo. Um, you know, uh, it, why in the heck wouldn't you offer this kid who repeatedly said, I remember fans getting getting mad probably about a year ago when he kept on saying, you know, this is my dream offer, this is my dream offer. And so, you know, to me the thing that's crazy is, is that I think it was kind of a side effect of Jimbo – progressing through his career at Florida State earlier you know a couple a few years ago many many recruitniks will remember Florida State recruited guys like Adoree Jackson and Iman Marshall from from down there in SoCal and they put the time in to fly out there and see them and recruit them and and stuff like that and it didn't work out and so to really to recruit guys from California like that it takes a lot of time and and this is coming from someone who I, I fly to California a lot you know that that's like five out five six hours to just get there each way yeah exactly each way so you know it, it's a it's a big time commitment and i think that's some of the reason that jimbo quit he's just like he he decided that it wasn't worth the time commitment on the returns you were getting but someone who repeatedly says it's their dream school why not even offer like all it takes is a phone call to pick up uh, to pick up and offer the kid you know so it's a bad look and and certainly it's it's a good look for Taggart that he was able to or that he identified that and and acted on it and ended up signing a five star safety right off the bat. Um, so I, I pretty much think that you know that's a sign of things to come for Florida State under Willie Taggart. He's obviously going to be a, a very very good recruiter. So it's exciting for for FSU fans to see that there's going to be uh, should be a consistent um, pipeline of elite talent into Tallahassee with Willie Taggart and his staff on the trail. So. Briefly, briefly, I just want to talk about. I haven't seen really anybody bring this up. So, do you think Woodby makes an immediate impact at Florida State? And I guess in order to discuss that, we're gonna to have to talk about. So, what is the safety situation at Florida State next year with Derwin Derwin James and Trey Marshall departing? 
So the safety situation is pretty pretty interesting. I don't know where they're going to go. You've got obviously some uber talented freshmen this year and Hampson Azraldine and Cyrus Fagan. Then you got guys like AJ Westbrook, um, Carlos Becker could factor in there after injuries hampered him down this year. And then you got Woodby. But I, I've seen several people from California, that area, rave about Woodby as a, as a safety and his versatility, how he's, um, you know, not only does he have the range to kind of play, you know, play a, a deep in, in a cover two type situation. But he also has, you know, the physicality to enter into the box and maybe play as a strong, a strong safety. Yep. So I think his versatility back there is going to allow him to make an immediate impact at Florida State. I'll be excited to see how much playing time he can get early. Um, I guess next on the list, we can move to Isaiah Bolden, four-star defensive back who was committed to or- uh, Oregon with Taggart, um, and now will be announcing Friday, so tomorrow, um, his commitment, which is between Oregon and Florida State. And he de- he decommitted from Oregon, correct, Ethan? Yeah, yeah I think he decommitted so from Oregon. So he decommitted from Oregon when Taggart left and is announcing between Florida, and, or Florida State and Oregon, whom he already decommitted from. So um, I think you guys can expect FSU all the way here. Uh Bolden was previously committed to FSU. He committed in June of last year um, after one of the junior camps. And he committed the same day as that wide receiver who committed to Texas and then decommitted Ethan. What's his name? The, oh, the uh, Justin athlete. Watkins. Justin yeah. Watkins. Watkins. Who, who, funny story, is actually not uncommitted right now, just hanging out. So I, I think that that might be someone that Willie Taggart needs to get on the phone and kind of resume his recruitment to Florida State. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so uh, Isaiah Bolden should sign uh, corner for four-star corner from Florida, should sign with Florida State on Friday. Um, that's basically all we have to say about that. Um, forced, briefly, just the, the signees, four-star defensive tackle Robert Cooper um, four, and four-star linebacker Amari Gaynor, who's been the bell cow for this class. I was telling Logan, our producer, that it's almost – it's funny because – it's weird. It's going to be weird for us to see Amari Gaynor suit up and tackle somebody on Saturdays because I feel like he's almost a coach at this point. Yeah, no, the the way he was like the recruiting coordinator this year. Yeah, when yeah. Jimbo when Jimbo wasn't doing his job, Amari Gaynor was. So, shout out to Amari for that. Regardless what happens during his playing career, which I think he should have a pretty good career, he's a pretty good player. But regardless what happens, he'll he'll definitely be a a fan favorite because of all the recruiting efforts he has put in. Um, and then Robert Cooper, big-time defensive tackle, top five defensive tackle in the country um, out of Georgia. I Seemingly the only good player in Georgia that the University of Georgia did not sign, right, Ethan? Pretty much, yeah. They got they cleaned up yesterday. Right. And then we can talk about, um, I guess, James Cook, Dalvin's little brother out of Miami Central, just like Dalvin. Um committed to well signed he was already committed but so he visited florida state this weekend um in kind of a last ditch effort for florida state to get him to postpone his signing ultimately i think he had a good time at the visit but his mom wanted him to go to georgia per the reports so they felt that's a better situation i can't blame them considering fsu signed i think three running backs who were rated higher than him last year no i'm not sure about zaquandre right i don't know but zaquandre wasn't he was a pretty. He was number six running back, I think, on ESPN. 
And I know we go by 24-7 composite typically, but I'd, I'd be interested to see because he was a high four-star and so is Cook. So at least at least two in Laybourne. And the composite and Cook is, yeah, in the, in the composite Cooks, then the, this year he's a four-star, but he's a number three running back and then okay, okay. 31 okay. player in the nation. Well, so Cook, Cook ultimately decided to go to Georgia. I can't fault him. I think that's better for him. I think Georgia has a better offensive line and quite frankly has way less running back depth I know they had a lot this year, but a lot of those guys are leaving. And they did um, sign Samir White, who's the number one running yeah. back in the country. But he's coming off an ACL surgery, and you know, that didn't play in at, at, at that point in time. Um, but it does make when, sense. When Cook decided, but yeah, they're a lot thinner there, Samir White. And, then, and like, if you like watch this season, I mean, Georgia obviously had a lot of success this season. They're in the playoff. But if you watch the season, they run the ball. I mean, Keith Marshall, De- like DeAndre Swift, all of these guys get a ton of carries. Big oh, yeah. Chubb, and there's one more. Like four, Sony Michelle. And Sony Michelle. Michelle. Those four guys got legitimate, like, a lot of carries. I, I don't know the numbers, but I, w- watching the games, they all played important roles. So it makes sense. And how many times – I know it's a different coach in a different era, but at the time when, when Cook committed, how many times could you say that four different running backs got significant touches in a Florida State game? It's been a while. Um, But that, that um, recaps Cook and then – also, you also have the last one I want to talk about, Ethan, is four-star quarterback out of Georgia, Emory Jones. Now, this is a recruitment that, honestly, you know, there's no se- – everybody always says there's no prize for second place in recruiting, and that's that's the truth. But there, there's not necessarily a prize you can take away um, from the fact that Florida State ended up finishing second to UF and, and, fl- and trying to flip the Ohio State commit um, and Emory Jones. But the fact that Dan Mullen offered Emory Jones at Mississippi State um, in first off, May, gonna, May of 2015. So that's and, what when he was a sophomore or maybe exactly. a freshman. And, and and the fact that Dan Mullen is you know he, Emory Jones fits Dan Mullen's offense extremely well. Dan Mullen has passed results with guys you know Tim Tebow, um, even Dak Prescott at Mississippi State, where he can you know he can show success in his offense and and you know what it looks like from a quarterback's perspective and the fact that that Taggart was able to overcome the fact that he that Mullen had been recruiting Emory Jones for two years um and and the fact that that he was able to come in here and really by all accounts make this an extremely close race right to the finish line um without an offensive staff in place just kind of shows you his prowess on the recruiting trail yeah, I think this one, Taggart didn't offer him until August of this past season. And some people go, might go, well, yeah, that's Taggart's fault for not evaluating talent as well as Mullen. Yes, Mullen was in early on him, but as a Georgia pledge, as a high rated Georgia player, Taggart didn't really have any business offering him at USF. And then at Oregon, all the way across the country, when he did finally offer him, I, I don't know. He offered him once he was committed to Ohio State. And I don't know that a Georgia kid is going to pick up everything and go to Oregon. So I don't really fault Taggart for that as like some of you might originally go, well, that's, that's Taggart's fault for offering him later. It's just not really his realm of player, whether it's because of distance at Oregon or like caliber at USF. Yeah. Strength of institution at at, uh, USF. But uh, I think ultimately it was good for, to see Florida state get a hat on the table. Um, even if it wasn't actually on the table, it, uh, I think Emory actually considered committing to Florida state. Um, so that's, that's an encouraging sign. 
But uh, don't let get your Gator fan friends try to convince you that it was some huge win and a fair fight uh, between the two two new head coaches. And that recaps the early signing period portion of the show today. So there are still some targets for left for FSU. Um, Ethan said that only, what, Ethan, 66% of the top 250 players in the country signed. Yeah, this is just that a sweet tweet a- I saw. Yeah, there's about a hundred, a hundred of the top two hundred and fifty players um, left to sign. And honestly, the the reason I bring that up is because a lot of the like Georgia, Clemson, uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Miami, a lot of the top classes already signed like twenty or twenty two plus kids, so they don't have that much room left. So when you're talking about strength of institution, as I just mentioned, with all these top one hundred kids left. I mean, Taggart and Florida State is probably a pretty appealing location considering all the other blue, blood, blue bloods have been, um, I don't know, have filled their classes, have filled their spots. Even Florida has seven commitments, or uh, 15 commitments, excuse me, when FSU only has nine um, at this point. So FSU should have a decent shot at closing on a few more top players. I don't think this class will be anywhere close to Jimbo's last couple, but I also don't think it's fair for Taggart because of the situation that he was left in um, when Jimbo departed. Yeah, but, you can't expect him to go in there and sign a you know a top five class. It's just not yeah not 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 reasonable to expect that. So no, not at all. Okay, so we can talk about possible defensive coordinator candidates because I think Charles Kelly left a bad taste in a lot of Florida State fans' mouths after being used to the likes of Mark Stoops and um, just great defensive, Jeremy Pruitt, great defensive coordinators, Mickey Andrews over the last, what, 30 years. So I think this is going to be a crucial hire for the Taggart era to be su- a successful one at Florida State. So what are you hearing on the defensive coordinator front, Ethan? Well, you know, as things go on, it seems like options are kind of, I don't know, dwindling down. I think, like the top three guys on my radar um, would be um, Alex Grinch, who's the the defensive coordinator at Washington State. Um, okay, why? Why? Um, if you read a lot of what other coaches and, and stuff say about his defense, um, his defense was vastly improved at, at Washington State this year. I read a report where an anonymous coach basically said that that the stuff that he runs is is so unpredictable. And um, it's so multiple in what he does that it's very, very hard to game plan against. It doesn't and sound like lethal simplicity to me, Ethan. It doesn't, but um, I think that, that lethal simplicity is, is really lethal kind of... Lethal simplicity on offense and lethal complexity, complexity on, defense. on defense. I think that, um, you, you know, on, on the defensive side of the ball, we saw what lethal simplicity did for, for Florida State under Charles Kelly. Um, the blitzes, the blitzes and stuff. It wasn't, stuff it? Were it, wasn't it was mild. It was mild simplicity. I wouldn't call it lethal. Yeah, very, very, very mild simplicity. It was har- harmless, harmless simplicity. And and I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what to think. Um, I, I just don't think the coaching got across under Kelly because there were so many co- you know coverage bust and zone defense. And to me, the biggest thing is, is in this next defensive coordinator. I want an elite defensive mind, someone who's able to drop draw up some some blitzes and, and things that can really you know create big plays and, and um, Kelly turnovers. just yeah create turnovers and Kelly just wasn't able to wasn't able to do that I, I think like honestly about 50 percent of the of the 
of the stadium knew when one of his blitzes were coming and where it was coming from. So um, I just think that 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 kind of you know uh, defensive mind that, that's always going to be able to keep an offensive coordinator um, and someone who's calling plays guessing is something that could be really intriguing, uh, especially moving from a place like Washington State where you don't necessarily have the best athletes to a place like Florida State and recruiting under a uh, you know a guy like Willie Taggart who's going to have an elite recruiting staff. Now, the okay, one thing so, I'll add on Grinch is that he has been rumored that he might be looking at taking uh, the 10th coaching spot as a position coach at Ohio State because um, he's from Ohio. I think that would be weird to me, a weird career choice. But, uh, yeah, well, I don't get that either. Okay, but Ethan, you, that, was your, that was your first uh, name, not, not necessarily your first choice, but your first name, and you appreciate Grinch's complexity in his defense. So what are the other two names? Because I believe you said you had three. Okay, so the other one would be Jim Leonard who is the defensive coordinator at um, Wisconsin. He played in the NFL for a long time. He's a 5'8 safety. I think this is his second year as the defensive coordinator. But he, he literally, his defense this year at Wisconsin was ranked um, in the top 10 in almost every single statistical category that's out there for defenses. And um, he just seems like he's an elite young defensive mind. And someone that, you know, he's his alma mater is actually Wisconsin. And so... It might be a tough pull, but that being said, there's a couple factors working for Florida State here in that um, Wisconsin is notoriously cheap with their their assistant coaches. Um, they let Dave Aranda, who's an elite defensive coordinator, walk to um, LSU. LSU for you know um, 1.3 million is I think what LSU ended up paying him, but he was he wasn't making barely over half a million dollars at um, Wisconsin and. Uh, and so, and 1.3 is within FSU's reported price price point of 1.4 yeah. that they were willing to offer for for Levitt. Levitt. So um, that's something that that's right there is going to be interesting. Um, and also, the other thing is that there was a quote there today from Leonard that basically said, "Here's here's the quote. I have it." Um, he said, "I I think." you see what opportunities are out there. I'm not necessarily throwing my name all over the place. I'm not necessarily looking for a lot of opportunities at this point, but I will listen when things come. Yeah, that does not sound like he's shutting out any, any offers to me. Exactly. So that that's another thing that, that could be open. Okay, so Alex Grinch, Jim Leonard, and I think I know we're going with third one. South Carolina? Yes, I'm heading to the what is it, the Magnolia State, I want to say. I don't know, um, dude. Uh, T. Rob to Travaris Robin Robinson, right? I believe is his name. Um, he was the Muschamp. He's been under Muschamp for a while now. He was rumored to be a target for Jimbo um, if Jimbo would have stayed at FSU. So it's interesting that he gets brought up with Taggart. Also, T. Rob is definitely a great recruiter, and h- how great of a defensive mind he actually is remains to be seen because of the fact that Muschamp is his head, has been his head coach. And he, even though he is namely the DC, I don't know how much um, Muschamp actually contributes to the defensive game plan. Exactly. That's that's the one question with a guy like T. Rob is, is you know what what part of those elite defenses that they had at Florida and and you know what part of that at South Carolina um, they haven't been elite yet at South Carolina, but they also don't have access to the same talent they did at Florida. Um, 
But, you know, what part of that is him calling the plays and what part of it is it is champ contributing to the game plan? But that being said, I think that T-Rob would be the best recruiting option at defensive coordinator. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying necessarily that, you know, you should always you shouldn't hire coordinators necessarily on recruiting prowess. But, yeah. but coordinators yeah. are the only position where it's undoubtedly better to have a better coach than a recruiter. The other positions you can make arguments for how important a tight ends coach is or a running backs coach, but a defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator should definitely be better coaches than recruiters or should be hired. Maybe not better, but should be hired on their, their coaching capabilities and and not on their recruiting. Now, the one thing to me that I think is working against T Rob in this situation is that by all accounts, Taggart is kind of looking for someone to be the head coach of the defense, someone that he can trust like, like he did at Oregon with Levitt, someone that he can just throw over there and practice on the defensive side of the ball and just allow him to coach the defense and not really have have to have any kind of looking over the shoulder or anything like that. And so I think that might be the one thing that works against T-Rob here. But that being said, this kind of connection, this part of the country, the the work he was able to do as a recruiter in the state of Florida, the development he was able to do um, – to uh, the development he was able to do with guys in the defensive backfield that he coached at Florida, um, that makes him you know an attractive option. And so I think he kind of rounds out the list as someone who has a little bit of a different kind of set of qualifications than the prior two guys do, but someone who also could be an extremely effective um, hire at Florida State and someone who could work really well with Taggart and fit in with the staff and culture at Florida State well. Ethan, the last thing I want to touch on, as I believe we've wrapped uh, coaching hires, well, at least defensive coordinator, the most important one at, at this time, and the signing day up pretty well. Uh, the last thing I want to touch on is perhaps FSU's most important uh, alumni that's currently in the NFL, uh, Jameis Winston, or at least the one who had the most, I guess, illustrious college career, and probably the most, I don't know, controversial college career at that, but... Jameis Winston right now is on the Bucks, and they are. I'll just leave, I'll just ask you a question: Are are the Bucks holding Jameis Winston back? You know, I'm a Bucks fan, and you know, I understand that there are downfalls that this organization has this year, and I, I just think that really, I, I thought they were really poised. I think everybody thought they were poised for kind of a breakout season this year, and to me. I mean, the roster has holes, yes, but I think that that this is a team that should be around 500 or better, and I think there were some certain things that kind of got in in their way. Um, I think, you know, Jameis, that injury definitely um, affected his play. Um, You could see his numbers took a dip whenever he got hurt. And then I I think there's, you know, just the fact that 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 kind of started a little bit of a – it started a little bit of that injury and, and the losses kind of mounted up right there at the beginning. Um, I think it just started a little bit of a collapse, kind of like you saw with Florida State this season, that um, that just kind of, I don't know, it just it just led to a collapse of a season and a wasted season. I think the, the thing is, is that to me, next year is going to be a real kind of referendum on what Jameis Winston is going to be able to do in Tampa. Because Jameis wasn't completely perfect this year. He had some... He had some times where he, he had got off to slow starts in the first quarter. How how much of Jameis' struggles this year do you think could be attributed to his shoulder injury? 
Because we've seen so many quarterbacks struggle with the hurt shoulder because at the end of the day, that's... Oh, I think I mean, a lot it, of it. It I, affects I think, your ability to I, throw football. I think a lot of it. I think that there were certain there were certain times where early in the season before the shoulder injury got hurt, there was a couple slow first quarters. But I think that ultimately the fact that he got hurt and they had that string of games where they lost those games when he was hurt really kind of you know put them out of playoff contention and really just ended the season before it got going because of that shoulder injury. I mean, you saw um, Aaron Rodgers came back in his first game from from uh, shoulder, you know, the, the the collarbone injury and through three interceptions. So that kind of stuff can, you know, if you're not 100% in the league, that kind of stuff can really lead to, you know, subpar performances. So I think that that played a large bit of it. And I still think there's a lot of, like, there's still a lot of talent on that Bucks roster. He's got a lot of weapons um, in, the, in the passing game when everybody's healthy and, and Brady, Howard, um, Evans, uh, and... Um, Oh, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, uh, Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson. That's what I'm going for. He was hurt this week, but um, so there's a lot of weapons in that offense, and I think that you know, really, if they come back next year and they have a good draft and they're able to, you know, maybe some sign a couple free agent offensive linemen, draft a running back in the fourth round, and pick up some help in the in the secondary, that there there isn't any reason to think that that they might mesh and finally get things down next season. But I will say this. I really am not. I'm. I'm not a fan of the way that that Cutters coached this team lately. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of his play calling. I, I think that uh, that marriage, more than anything, might be hurting Jameis. It's not really like a, you know, a roster issue. It's funny because he kind of got hired because he had a good relationship with Jameis and was developing him properly. If well, I, I know, recall correctly, exactly. That is why. I mean, I and I think many of Bucks, many of the Bucks fans at that point in time were a proponent of it. But it seems like especially this season in a season where they were supposed to be, um, you know, playoff contenders, the, the play calling was super vanilla, super, um, you know, super kind of predictable. But I think that some of that might also be on the fact that they really haven't had a run game all year long, which can do that to you. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward. And the thing is, is people are saying that Jameis should leave Tampa, um, you know, when he can. But I ultimately don't think that Jameis will. Like, I don't think that that's the kind of person that he is. I think he's invested in the success of the franchise. Um, I I could be wrong, but I I just think that that he's going to end up staying for Florida State, or, or staying staying and 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 for in Tampa. Um, I, I just don't think that that's going to be. I don't think that he'll seek a way out. I, I don't I don't think Jameis is that type of person. I agree. I think you're right. I think you're right on the money. I think you hit that nail on the head. I think you saw what Jameis can be when healthy the other night when he absolutely uh, dominated the Falcons. Yeah, um, that was like a that was like a Pittsburgh type performance for him. That was unbelievable, honestly. But uh, I guess that recaps Jameis and what we think his future will hold. But that does it for this episode of Hear the Spear. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes. If there's anything else that you guys want to hear this podcast on, let us know. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Hear the Spear. Um, but that'll do it for this week. We'll be back soon and talking about recruiting and the coaching staff as it fills out. Talk to you guys later.